Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Stephen Dorf, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Hershey Winkleman. Check us out on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. And you can leave a rating or a review on Apple or Spotify. It really helps us out. All right, so guys, our last podcast, we did our basic raw reaction to the Bucks trading for superstar point guard Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. You know, in the meantime, we traded away a fan favorite. Uh, Drew Holiday helped us, you know, get our second championship in a, in a 50 year span. So that's unbelievable and really sad to see him go, but awesome to see, you know, to get a guy like Damian Lillard on the Bucks. Uh, and then, you know, we saw, you know, yesterday Drew Holiday gets traded to our rival, the Boston Celtics. So that might have been the worst case scenario for Bucks fans to see, you know, Drew Holiday go to our biggest rival in basketball. Um, but in this podcast, we wanted to give you more of like an in-depth breakdown and, you know, just analysis of what we thought, you know, this trade means and what the implications are on the rest of the Eastern Conference. So, Hirsch, with that being said, do you want to get us started on our first takeaway from the Bucks trading for Dame? Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the main takeaways, and, you know, a lot of people have already touched on it, but uh, it's it's just the 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 defensive loss uh, with the loss of Drew. I mean, he he's known as you know one of the best on ball point of attack defenders in the in the game, probably the best uh, defensive guard in the league, and has been for quite a while. Um, so that's definitely you know going to be a big loss for Milwaukee, and they're going to have to you know figure out how to deal with you know some some a, a lot worse defensive guard play than they've had uh, in previous years, but the offensive trade-off is tremendous with Dame. I mean, we've seen what he can do, shoot from 35 feet away, uh, average 32 points a game, be able to score from ever, everywhere on the court. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit kind of about their defensive ratings and kind of how that, you know, all shakes out with, with the two players? Well, yeah, I mean, over Drew's career, his defensive rating is 108.9 to Dame's uh, over his career, 112.7. And in theory, it's like, oh, that's not too big of a drop-off. However, you know, last year, even though Dame only played 58 games, it was still a big enough sample size to see that he had a 120 defensive rating, almost 121 to Drew's 112. So obviously, you know, father time's catching up with these guys. They're getting older. They're in their, you know, early mid-30s now. So that their, their athleticism is just going to decline due to that. But Drew Holiday has been able to maintain and sustain himself as one of the best defensive guards in the league, while Dame has really been able to explode as one of the greatest offensive guards we've ever seen. And that's the big trade-off we get is, yeah, we sacrifice that defense, but we do bring in probably the best offensive player that we've seen outside of Giannis. So that's the trade-off. And I think with Dame's defense, we've seen him have to carry such a big load for Portland Hirsch that it's like, the guy can only do so much and it's like, he can't be Superman on both sides of the ball. So maybe playing with Giannis playing with Chris is going to allow him to take, you know, some workload off of his offense and put that into his defense and get back to somewhat of a, you know, plus defender for the bucks, if that's even possible. So, I mean, Hirsch, do you think it's possible for Dame to get back to being a plus defender given his age and whatnot? Definitely. I mean, we've only seen him really be a second option for the first two or three years of his career when LaMarcus Aldridge was still, you know, an all-star power forward in Portland uh, before he moved on to San Antonio. And ever since then, 
you know, Portland's been Dame's team for almost a decade now. He he's been, you know, the star player there. He's been the number one guy. He's been asked to shoulder the entire offensive load for the team basically for like years on end. And, you know, this is now a time where Dame can kind of settle into, you know, being like a, an elite second option. He doesn't necessarily have to carry the entire offensive load at all. And, yeah, it, it can definitely help him, you know, put a little bit more effort into, you know, the defensive side. But I also think, you know, having a fortress in front of the in front of the rim every night is going to help him as well. You know, if he gets beat, there's guys there that can help him, you know, clean that up. And I think that's going to, you know, really help uh dame as a player just he's never really had that kind of fortress inside like we have with you know the interior defense of brooke bobby and Giannis. um so yeah i think you know just the team around him and the way that the bucks have kind of created this organically i i really like the way that it's kind of shaking out and i think dame's gonna fit perfectly in with this defense and offense yeah the defensive concerns are obviously there but you know, we're going to have to see, and I hopefully, you know, this brings us into our next point, the offense that we're getting with Damian Lillard, especially in the clutch time. Uh, you know, the NBA defines clutch time, for those who don't know, as uh, the minutes played when the scoring margin is within five points or and uh, five fewer minutes remaining in the game. And Damian Lillard is one of the best clutch time players in the NBA. Uh, Drew Holiday, when we traded for him, we thought we were getting someone who could really elevate his offensive game as well as his defensive game in the playoffs. And unfortunately we really only got the defensive side of that and he would struggle, you know, throughout games in the playoffs offensively. Yes. He would make really big clutch shots, you know, in needed times. I remember him doing it several times for us, but Dame is going to be consistently, you know, making shots throughout the game so that hopefully we don't really need those close game clutch shots. Uh, you know, just for reference, in the last three playoff appearances for Dame, he shot 56, 50%, and 61% in effective field goal percentage to Drew Holiday's last three uh, appearances at 31%, 25, and 37. So that increase is massive, Hirsch. How do you think that might impact the Bucks' offensive playoff stalls that we get? Or, you know, our plateaus when the half-court offense seems to just go blank? Well, I mean, like you mentioned, I think, you know, Drew has had times where we've seen him in the past kind of get shot happy and we've seen him take shots that a lot of Bucks fans would not, not necessarily advocate for him to be taking. Um, as we've seen from Damian Lillard's entire career, and I think we have a pretty good uh, chunk of sample size here to say that Damian Lillard doesn't really have a limit as to where he can be you know, effective from. We've seen him literally win playoff series by shooting nearly half court shots over one of the best defenders in the game in Paul George. So it, it, there's nothing, there's nowhere on the court that he can't score from. And like you mentioned, you know, having a more consistent score throughout the game will help us with those, you know, droughts where Giannis seems to get into foul trouble. He's got to come off the court all of a sudden, you know, we, we lost our creativity. You know, you put the ball in, in the hands of Damian Lillard. He's been scoring on people to make a living for his life. You know, that's kind of what he's been doing. So, and like you mentioned too, hopefully with more consistent scoring throughout the game in each quarter, it won't be such a close game at the end. We won't have those stalls out where, you know, we go four or five minutes only having two, two points and they go on an 18 to two run and close the game. Like it happened. Right, yeah. 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 And the big, thing, the big thing, Hirsch is right. We need to like, when we get into a fourth quarter, right. We're up 12 points heading into a fourth quarter playoff game and we go scoreless for five, six minutes. Damian Lillard is going to effectively stop that. He will he will not let that happen because he is that good of an offensive player. 
And even when he is having an off night, he draws so much attention to him that he is going to create easier shots like Giannis does for other players. And that's the big thing we get with a duo like this, which kind of also brings us into our next point is that the NBA has probably never seen a duo like this in terms of just pure scoring numbers. Two guys to average 30 points a game or more have never played on the same team together. Obviously, talent-wise, there's guys like Shaq and Kobe, one of the greatest, you know, big man pick-and-roll duos ever. There's Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Jokic and Murray even just won a championship together with, you know, an effective guard and big man pick-and-roll. Hirsch, how effective is the pick-and-roll, even though it's, you know, one of the oldest and, you know, just simple plays in basketball, how effective is this going to be for the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, you know, we've seen championship teams, you know, kind of built around this, uh, especially, you know, the guard and the big man duo. I think a lot of teams and a lot of, you know, fans really like that idea. And I think, I I mean, I do too. I think that's, you know, kind of the way you want to build a, a team with a, a great big man and a great guard. Uh, Dame last season shot 31.1% on threes. Uh, you do have to take into account his volume. He was shooting a lot of threes per game and a lot of them are off the dribble and moving. So they're not necessarily, you know, the greatest shot attempts. Uh, but Giannis is all is shooting 77% uh, in the paint. So just looking at that, I mean, we know Dame can get to the rim. He can dunk on people. He was in dunk contests when he was younger. Uh, but, you know, he can also just step out there, come around the pick and just pull it. And Giannis is going to be cut into the rim anyway to even to get the board if he misses. So I, I just really don't really see a way that it's like stoppable, especially when you have guys like Malik Beasley, Pat Connington, Chris Middleton on the sides. If they do end up, you know, kind of trying to triple team uh, the pick and roll and trying to help out on it. You know, we have so many other weapons on the outs on the perimeter, you know, guys like Brooke who can shoot, Bobby can shoot. A lot of the guys on our bench can shoot as well, like Jay Crowder. So, you know, there's not really guys you can leave open on the team except for Giannis from three. And even then, you know, we've seen Giannis hit threes here and there. So I just think yeah. it's going to be a disgusting duo. Like, I, I really don't see a way that people are going to be able to stop this, like, throughout the season unless, like, obviously an injury. But you don't really – No, them. yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I like I said earlier when I brought this, you know, specific point up about this duo being – the most prolific scoring duo the NBA has ever seen being that they both put up 30 points a game for their respective teams. Now teaming up to play together, they play different. They complete, they dominate, you know, completely different areas of the game. And to me, that's just like what, you know, makes great basketball is when your best players can all, you know, help you win in different areas. And I really truly do think that Giannis and Damian Lillard could be like a historically great duo if all works out, you know, we need everyone to stay healthy. We need everything to go well, but just talent to talent. I really, really believe in this duo Hirsch. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, not to mention Lillard did sign a two-year contract extension uh, a couple a year or two ago. So his contract will now be running through 2026, 20, 27 season. Uh, he does have a player option in that last year, but you know, Milwaukee's got control over him for a while. We're going to see him and Giannis together for quite some time going forward. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, the big thing with obviously trading out and getting a guy like Damian Lillard, but not only that, you have him under contract for multiple years now. I think that really, it, obviously nothing is guaranteed. However, it really seems certain that, you know, or more certain that Giannis is likely to stick around and remain a Milwaukee Buck. You know, we've shown to him that we are willing to put all the marbles on the table and, you know, make the big move become. This is the second time we have done that now where we have traded away our future to make the best possible team that we can make currently. 
And last time we'd made a move like this, it worked out and it gave us a championship. I think that, you know, if we go far in the playoffs, like we're expected to do, if we can make a finals run and even win a championship, there's no reason Giannis won't sign his extension next year. And I really like it too, because it, you know, it doesn't feel like a rental. It doesn't feel like, you know, Dame is just coming here just to play for a little bit. And then, you know, he's going to move on to his next destination. You know, it doesn't like Dame's not in a position where he's got to be thinking about where he wants to go next. You know, like he's here for like the future. So he's not available. He's not on the trade market anymore. Like the, the, there's, there's none of that. Dame's here. Giannis is going to be here. Uh, he said during media day today, his quote, uh, the Bucks media day is going on currently uh, as we're recording, but he said money is not important. A lot of money is important. So he's going to sign the extension next year. It, I, he said, he said, it doesn't make sense to sign it right now. I want to be a Milwaukee buck for the rest of my career, as long as we are winning. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, getting Damian Lillard shows that the, the front office, like not only his teammates, but he he's kind of was holding the front office accountable as well. And the front out and the front office, you know, delivered big for him. And I think he's happy about it. You know, he also mentioned, you know, he needs Dame to be Dame and Dame needs him to be him. So, you know, Giannis, he, he knows what he's got to do here. He's happy. I think he's very happy with the deal. Uh, you know, a report came out a couple of days ago that he, you know, texted Dame immediately. Let's go get this championship. You know, they were both very excited to play together. I, I really just, this, this like couldn't be better for Milwaukee in my opinion. Yeah, no, totally agree. This is, you know, the biggest trade since the Drew Holiday trade, uh, getting a superstar player like Dame to play with Giannis. I mean, neither of these guys have played with a player of that caliber on the same team. So it's, you know, it's going to be special in Milwaukee. It's going to be really special what the Bucks are building. Uh, and we're going to actually take a quick break and come back to you with the other side of this and Drew Holiday going to the Celtics uh, from Portland. And we're going to break that down for you. So we'll be right back. All righty. So we are back on the Bucks and Six podcast. I'm Hershey Winkleman. He's Steven Dorf. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the big news that happened yesterday in the NBA. Drew Holiday, you know, being traded to Boston. Obviously, you know, we mentioned it. It, it really hurts to see, you know, a fan favorite, a guy that, you know, we're all grateful for, for, you know, the things that he brought to our organization being traded to, you know, probably the team that we all hate the most when it comes to the Eastern Conference and facing them. Uh, but let's just run through the trade real quick. Uh, Boston gets Drew Holiday from Portland. Uh, Portland gets Robert Williams. Malcolm Brogdon, a 2024 first-round pick from Golden State, and a 2029 first-round pick from Boston. So two players and two picks for Drew Holiday, you know, plus what they got from uh, Phoenix and from us in the previous trade. Joe Cronin and the GM of the Portland Trailblazers looks like he got a pretty good haul, um, you know, for Dame this time around. And it looks like they're also trying to flip, you know, Brogdon and get him out of there because they seem pretty committed to their, you know, young guard trio that they have over there with Shadon Sharp, uh, Scoot Henderson, and Anthony Simons. So, you know, they could get even more out of this deal. But I I, tr- I think that the Blazers, you know, the Blazers made a good move, in my opinion. I think it was a better deal than the Heat deal. I think they got more out of it. I think they have a true front court now with Aiton and Williams. Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, Boston and kind of the impact of Drew going to the Celtics. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about, you know, how much it really sucks to see Drew go to like our, our biggest rival, our second biggest rival, them in the heat, you know, always those two, but it really hurts to see Drew go to that team. And like, I, it's, it's just not going to be fun to face him in a playoff matchup or a playoff series. It's just going to, it's going to suck. Cause like, you know, you really want to root for a guy like Drew holiday, but now it makes that 
relatively impossible to do. So that really sucks. Uh, you know, the, another thing is that similar to the, you know, the bucks upgrading at point guard, right. They made just a, just a simple position upgrade the Celtics, you know, they upgraded at point guard too, except they, instead of going from, you know, defensive to offensive minded guy, they went from, you know, defensive point guard to the best defensive point guard. And, you know, that fits in really well with that Celtics culture and what they do and what they really have liked to do with Marcus smart, you know, over the last eight, nine years that they've had him. So that that could be a really good fit for Drew Holiday personally. You know, he it's, it, it, seemingly he might just fit right in there and no problems. It'll be the Marcus Smart replacement, except slightly better. So not even slightly, definitely better. Uh, uh, I mean, you hate to see that, especially with their perimeter defense, because they have Jason Tatum, they have Jalen Brown, they add Drew Holiday. Their perimeter defense is going to be really, really scary and a lot to deal with. I mean, it's been a lot to deal with <laughs> the last three, four years. It's it's going to get worse. Uh, but their trade-off is they lost their front court defense, right? Yes, they traded for Chris Dapps Porzingis, you know, earlier in the offseason. You know, more of an offensive-minded big, though. They traded away Robert Williams. They lost Grant Williams in free agency. Two of their three, you know, Giannis defenders uh al horford is the guy they're left with hirsch al horford is 37 years old he's going to be 38 in the playoffs you can't expect him to take on more minutes than he already was for them so you know seeing what they've gained and what they've lost hirsch from this trade is this you know something that makes you really fear the celtics more than you have in previous years uh immediately i was you know very scared and you know nervous after you know this trade went down I was not happy about it obviously to see Drew go there but I was also you know like damn they they're going to be able to stop Damian Lillard uh but you know when you really when I thought about it more when I let it marinate I, I realized you know there's there's not there's nobody that can really hang down there in the paint with Brooke or Giannis I mean if you're going to put Horford on Giannis who are you going to have on Brooke Chris Stapps? I mean Chris Stapps is you know he's pretty thin when it comes to you know being a big man They'll get pushed around by a guy like Brooke Lopez, especially because, you know, Brooke Lopez is relatively the same height as Chris Dapps as well. Um, and Chris Dapps has never been able to guard Giannis. You know, since Giannis has become an all-star, he's been averaging 34.7 points on 54.8% from the field, 11 rebounds and five assists against Porzingis. So there's, there's Chris Dapps can't guard him. I don't really think that Jason Tatum can guard him. So, yes, they might have had a guy, they might have just acquired a guy who can slow down Damian Lillard a little bit, but nobody can really shut down Damian Lillard. And now they've given up most of their front court depth that can do anything to slow down Giannis. Yeah, and the other thing is with the Celtics, actually, there are a lot of mouths to feed now, right? You you know, you'd like to say the same with the Bucks, but it's, you know, we talked about this. It's It's been organic. The Celtics now have traded away Marcus Smart. They've traded away... Um, uh, Robert Williams, they've lost Grant Williams, guys that have been drafted to that organization and have played there and have gotten comfortable there. And they've added guys who, you know, Drew Holiday, who was just an all-star for the first time in 10 years, he's going to want his touches. Chris Stapps Porzingis is a guy who gives you 20 plus a night. And then you have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown. There are a lot of mouths to feed. I mean, chemistry could be a problem with them, you know, especially right out the gate. You know, Bucks are going to experience something similar with chemistry, but it's it's different to add one new guy versus almost an entire roster of it. So that's going to be big for the Celtics. And yeah, Kristaps, they, they don't have a Giannis answer anymore. Kristaps cannot guard him, and that's been proven. 
Giannis, he's quick. He's too quick for him. Kristaps might be like seven, three, but he cannot move like Giannis can move. He cannot keep up with the guy and Al Horford's getting old. So the Celtics are going to need to figure out a solution to dealing with big men, you know, athletic big men like Giannis, like Embiid, like Bam Adebayo, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. There's a lot of good big men in the East. Julius Randle even. There's a lot of talent, you know, at that position in the East. The Celtics don't really seem to have an answer for it. Uh, I do want to mention real quick. I do want to mention real quick too, like Kristaps has had injury issues throughout his career and and so is Hor and Horford's getting old. So like, Who's to say through a playoff like run, either of them are actually going to be able to stay on the court? Yeah, no, it's it, it's gotten to the point where like you might not even be able to. I, Chris Dapps for Porzingis is someone that you know in recent years is not someone that you can depend on. You know, going into a playoff series, part you know part of that is probably because he hasn't been on very competitive teams. But the other half of that is that Chris Dapps hasn't been able to stay healthy and, you know, availability is the number one ability, right? We've seen that with the Bucks the last couple of years, injuries have knocked us out of the playoffs and the Celtics are going to need to, you know, make sure they keep their guys healthy and they're, you know, their front court defense to me is that is, you know, <laughs> it's going to be their Achilles heel. And they don't really have any depth. I mean, either they're, they're bench, they're bench big men right now are Luke Cornett, Wenyan Gabriel and O'Shea Brissett. So it it's like if if Horford or Chris Abs do go down, you know who like you're really gonna rely on Luke Cornett to be your starting center in a playoff game? Like I I just I mean maybe he doesn't even start. Maybe they run you know a smaller lineup with Derek White out there, Tatum at the four, and Chris Abs at the five. But like you just mentioned, with all the good big men in the East, they're gonna have to run through. It's gonna be tough for Chris Abs to be able to play that five. I mean we've even mm. seen Anthony Davis not want to play the five. Because, you know, it's a lot of banging down there. It's a lot of trying to be physical. Chris Stapps doesn't like being physical. Chris Stapps on the Mavericks was playing more perimeter than he ever was on any other team. So we, we've seen Chris Stapps, you know, go full perimeter and leave the paint for like a year. So, I I mean, I so, think. Go ahead. So, Hirsch, Hirsch. Yeah, so wait, I want to actually ask you. So what do you think these trades mean for the rest of the Eastern Conference? You know, specifically the teams that before all this madness happened, you know, thought that they could really, really compete. Do you think that they still do teams like the heat, the, the Sixers, the Cavs, the Knicks? Yeah. I mean, I think first we got to touch on the heat. I mean, we know, and we've been talking about it. They've been, they've been rumored in basically every superstar uh, available that that's been available over the off season, you know, whether it be Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, and guys like that, even like Kyrie Irving, before he got signed, they were, you know, rumored to be interested in him. Uh, and they've swung and missed on every single one of them. Uh, they, they lost Gabe Vincent. They lost Max Struess in free agency. You know, two big got two, you know, big pieces for them. And making the finals last year is kind of a Cinderella run for them. I mean, they, they were a play-in team. They had one of the worst shooting seasons in the league throughout the regular season and they somehow flipped the switch in the playoffs. That might have something to do with Eric Spolster being, you know, one of the best coaches in the league. They have a great culture with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. You know, Tyler Hero wasn't there last year. He'll be a big plus for them. But, I mean, Steve, how big of a blunder was it for the Heat not to pick up a big name as all, the rest of the Eastern Conference basically got better this offseason and they got seemingly a lot worse. Yeah, no, it's tough because they did lose guys like Gabe Vincent. They lost Max Struess, right, in hopes that they would, you know, be able to clear space and spots for a big name player like a Damian Lillard. 
they weren't able to do that. And they kind of made it like, you know, open news to their players that you're on the trade blocks, Tyler Hero specifically, like we were willing to trade you. And what is that going to do to their like locker room chemistry, right? What is that going to do to the, you know, chemistry between Tyler Hero and that front office? He's probably not happy about knowing that he was going to get shipped off like that, being, you know, a good young player for them. That that's a little concern for them. And yeah, they, they didn't get better. That's, you know, these other teams are getting better. The Bucs and the Celtics are making moves to get better. Even the Sixers are looking to trade James Harden. We'll touch on them next, but they're looking to get better and improve. The Cavs are a young team. They're going to get better just because, you know, their best players are young and they're just getting, they're developing. And they so, take Max Strews from the mm-hmm. Heat. So they're, they're poaching players off of, you know, like peer contenders, basically. Yeah, exactly. So these other teams are making improvements to their roster, whereas the Heat, you know, they tried going all out for, you know, one player in specific. They didn't do it. And now who knows what this is going to, you know, cause for them. I think, you know, knowing Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley, they're going to figure it out. You know, that Heat culture, they always somehow end up doing so. I think they'll be fine. I think that, you know, we're going to see another kind of up and down regular season from them, but they still have Jimmy Butler. They still have Bam. So the Heat are still going to be a competitive team and a team, you know, we don't want to see in the playoffs, but I think our firepower at this point with Damian Lillard is too much for them. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, You just mentioned Philadelphia. Um, Over the last, you know, couple weeks or so, there's been some rumblings about James Harden, you know, possibly coming back to Philly, but then he said that he, still wants to be traded, but then there was a picture of him and Daryl Morey hugging, which we all thought, you know, that relationship was unmendable. Uh, There's a lot lot up in the air with the Sixers team. I mean, even if you do trade Harden, you're not necessarily getting, you know, a superstar player back or anything like that. Uh, You know, they could have maybe been in talks, like a three-team deal to get Holiday. Uh, Didn't do it, so Holiday gets shipped to the Celtics. They're still left with Harden. Uh, seems like the only really team in the league that has any interest is the Clippers, and that deal would be centered around Norman Powell and Robert Covington. I'm not really sure if that moves the needle at all for the Sixers in the Eastern Conference, but you know they're gonna have to do something with James Harden because he, you can't just have a max contract like sit at home for the whole year. So you have to either trade him or convince him to come back and like play. But we've even seen that happen with the Rockets, where he's came back super out of shape, not playing well, you know, trying to be traded. And James Harden at this point, I think, is, you know, has to be considered like a, a cancer's like teammate. I mean, a locker room cancer. He's asked for trades in every destination he's ever been in. Uh, so I think at this point, I mean, I think the Sixers are in a world of trouble, especially if, you know, Joel Embiid's unhappy. You know, we we seen we saw what the Bucks just did, you know, with Giannis, you know, possibly saying he was going to leave in the offseason, you know, putting pressure on the front office. They made a big move. You know, they got a lot better. If Embiid does the same thing to the Sixers, you know, who's like who's to say that they make that same deal? And who's to say that Joel Embiid doesn't ask for a trade? Uh, and, you know, there's teams that are already positioning themselves for that, like the New York Knicks. Uh, they're positioning themselves to, you know, possibly make a a blockbuster deal for, for a guy like Joel Embiid. So I think, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the Sixers? Because I think personally they, they're in a, a lot of trouble here in their situation, especially with all the other teams getting better. Yeah. The Sixers are just a mess. I mean, there's really no other way to put it right now. Like 
They need to just, they need to get some control over the situation with Harden. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if you saw that, uh, that clip with Kevin Garnett talking to Paul Pierce. And I think I don't, it might've been Pat Bev. I'm not quite sure, but I know Paul Pierce was there, but he was like, you know, James Harden wiggled his way out of Houston, wiggled his way out of Brooklyn. Now he's trying to wiggle his way out of, uh, 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 Philly. So it's like, you only get so many wiggles is what they were saying. And he's, he's running out of wiggle room. So they were saying he might even, you know, be in a situation where he's no longer in the NBA where, you know, he could be blackballed maybe or something like that. Uh, so, I, I think that's, you know, definitely cause for concern for the Sixers is they need to figure out what the deals with James Harden with James Harden. So in turn, they can figure out what they're going to do with their future with Joel Embiid. Yeah, and I agree. But I think, you know, even if they do trade James, you know, like I mentioned, they're not necessarily getting, a, you know, a King's ransom back for, you know, what was, you know, MVP James Harden. He's not that player anymore. You know, he's still a great, great floor general. He can score, but he's not what he once yeah, was. He- and you're not going to get a superstar. Teams, yeah, teams know this, though. Teams know this. They also know that James Harden is a guy where it's like if you make him unhappy once, you're likely going to lose him forever. So it's a big risk you're taking on. So you take the fact that he isn't the same guy giving you 38 points a game. So it's you don't get that wiggle room when you're not that player. And yeah, he's he's a drama. Like, you know, he causes drama wherever he goes. Teams probably aren't going to want to put up with that. And if they do, they're going to be like, take what we'll give you. Otherwise, we don't need him. Kick rocks. Yeah, which puts, you know, Philly, Philly doesn't have much leverage in that situation. So puts them in a very tough spot. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the Cavs and Knicks a little earlier. Uh, do they have a shot to surprise people? I mean, in my opinion, I would think that the Cavs probably have a better shot just with their explosiveness of Donovan Mitchell. I know the Knicks beat them last year, but I'm expecting improvement from Cleveland this year. Uh, but realistically, I, I just I just think the Bucs and the Celtics are just like a tier above the rest of the Eastern conference. Yeah, no, I think right now the Bucks and the Celtics totally look like the clear cut one and two, but I do think the Cavs actually, you know, they have some potential to surprise a lot of people this year and shock some people, right? They got Evan Mobley is, you know, he's someone with gobs of potential. He could be one of the best rim protector two-way bigs in the league. Uh, they just need to get him more touches. And I think they need to figure out, you know, the, the spacing with him and Jared Allen, but they also have Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. So like the talent is definitely there for Cleveland. And I think that we only saw a glimpse of like what they, you know, what they were last year. They struggled a lot in the fourth quarter. And I think that if they can figure that out and, you know, finish and close games out, because Donovan Mitchell is someone who we've seen be a closer in playoff games. So they are a team that actually does worry me and a team that should not be, uh, uh, taken uh they just i don't know just the Cavs are a team to look out for a team to be worried about the knicks though i jalen brunson and julius randall are guys to me like they're good players but you know we've seen what they can do i think you know they're, they've hit their potential and Giannis and dame that duo just dominates jalen brunson and julius randall and just the talented talent give me the box duo over them I mean, yeah, I agree. Just just before we, you know, wrap this up, uh, I know we didn't really prepare for this, but just give me like your prediction for the top four in the East. Mm, top four. All right. This might sound crazy. Let's go. Let's go. Buck or we'll go Celtics at the one seed. I think they're going to have a good regular season. I think Drew will fit in well and they'll get it figured out because they still have Jason Tatum. They still have Jalen Brown. I think the Bucks will be. We'll give Bucks the two. 
Uh, I think that with Dame and Giannis, you know, we've seen that when we add a new point guard to the Bucks, that specifically it took them some time to kind of figure out the the roles for everyone. Right. Drew Holiday said that his first couple months on the Bucks, he felt like he was just running around doing cardio out there. Like he didn't really know what he was doing. So I think it might take us some time to really figure out and click. But once we do, the sky is the limit. Um, and then I think at the three and four, you got Cavs at the three. And then I actually think that the four is very dependent on the Sixers, you know, trading James Harden. Because if they don't, I, I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble because one man can't do it all, especially in such a loaded East. So I'm going to say we'll go Celtics at the one, Bucks at the two, Cavs at the three, Knicks at the four. Interesting. I'm going to go Bucks, Celtics, Cavs, Heat. But I do agree with you that I think the Cavs are going to – I think the Cavs are going to improve this year. I, I'm looking for a big year out of Evan Mobley. That's for sure. I will put it this way. I would not be shocked if the Cavs were actually the one seed in the East this year. I mean, we've seen Donovan Mitchell, you know, do that with the, with the Jazz before, you know, have a fantastic regular season on those, you know, Rudy Gobert teams. So, yeah, just Cavs are not a team you can just shrug off like whatever. I think they have some serious potential and could easily turn this, you know, Eastern 1-2 into a 1-2-3 with them. I totally think that they have the potential to do it. It might not be this year, but I down the road i really really think the Cavs are a team to be worried about Alrighty, i think that's going to be it for today's episode of the box and six podcast uh make sure to leave a like download subscribe and follow us on both twitter and instagram at box and six ffsn uh, i'm hershey winkleman he's steven dorf and let's go bucks <laughs>